Hello and welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and as you know from listening to the show, I interview people from all around the city on a wide variety of topics, from teaching to marketing to design and anything else. And today we're going back to a teacher focused with a recurring guest. It is Tuovi Wallin from Finland, who appeared on episode 72 almost a year ago. And we're catching up again to discuss education, Finland, Vietnam, and more. And I'm very excited to have her back. Welcome back, Tuovi. How are Thank you? Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm great and it's so good to be back here. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a year as we were discussing, so it will be interesting to see, I guess, how we've developed yeah. because in that time you've actually been home and been back. Yeah, I've been home. They opened the borders. So many things has changed just in a year and I think it went so fast. Yeah. yeah. Did you miss the Vietnam lockdown? When did you return? No, I missed it. It just I just left when it kind of was starting and then I came back in October uh, like, yeah because yeah. I they didn't it was very hard everything was closed so it took more time with all the paperwork even I had the TRC but it was still very hard to return so yeah and when you came back did you have to quarantine oh yes but only for seven days uh, it kind of ended too early I had prepared for at least week week and a half I thought that it's eight nine days and it was only seven I was like I'm not ready to go <laughs> that's amazing I am very, very lucky. I have never done a day's quarantine in my life. I mean, of course, I've done the self-isolation because I have had COVID and the lockdowns. I've had the whole procedure there, but I've never had to do quarantine elsewhere. And I feel very, very grateful. Yeah, but it was like, I know people, people, it it affects you in in different way per person, of course. But like, I kind of, uh, this is me being very... Finished person as well. I loved it. 14, 15 days just by myself. I don't kind of have to do anything because it's just my small holder room. You can order wine and food and everything. And it's just time for yourself. So I, not all my colleagues loved it, but it was very, very nice time Absolutely. for myself. Yeah. Yes. Can I ask you, like, what sort of person are you? I'm curious because you've mentioned that in terms of introvert versus extrovert. What side are you on? Probably extrovert, like, but then I feel that Finns are maybe more introverts, like overall. But then I, I can like dig these very Finnish features from myself, and I usually say, "Oh, this is me being very Finn, and mm. this is how I feel or say." And I kind of also adjust everything, or like say, "I can do this because I'm from Finland." When you <laughs> say very Finn, what sort of things are very Finnish or Finn? that I can sit with you for hours without saying a word or having like I love having my own time I cannot wait enough to go to summer cottage and it's all quiet even I love living here in Ho Chi Minh which is like there are more people here than in Finland overall and I love it here but then I love the quietness that I can just hear, hear the birds chirping and I could be there for weeks I will go with my family, but I could buy my, myself and I would still be happy. Really? Like, yeah. Damn. But you can still communicate effectively in big groups yes, of people. Yes, and nice. I don't mind about having lectures or having loads of people around me, so I can do both. Usually Finnish people, they rather have not so much people around you or they don't feel so at home if you, there's a big party and you don't know everyone, for example. Like, those mm. are like maybe not so easy situations for us. Yeah, and... If I have asked you this on the previous episode, like, remind me, but is it common for a Finn to travel as extensively as you perhaps have? Because I know you've lived in, I think, five countries. Yeah, is many, that common? Many, I think, no, it's not that common. I think it it's getting more and more common, like, to work somewhere else, but maybe not 
as much. Maybe you go somewhere your few years, and then you return home, and then that's kind of you seen it, and then you go back to your home. But I have to say, we had kind of farewell dinner last Thursday with people from different countries, and I felt I kind of felt bad that I'm so privileged that I can go home. We don't have school shootings or like it's safe for me to go home and mm. work there. And I don't have to think about that. Somebody's going to rob me when I go back home. It's like it might happen, but it's not so kind of common thing there. So it's quite safe as well. And I felt that, oh, no, I'm kind of living in a bubble when I'm living in Finland. Oh, world, is, world is changing there as well, but still it's quite safe and nice yeah. place. Now yeah. I believe so from what the conversation we've had and also yeah. what I've heard in media or books or any other kind of form. Can I ask you about moving away from like the expat or the country nationality side of things into teaching? When did you begin your education career if you remember? Uh, working? Yes. Uh, 2008. So it's been but I have been having so maybe 13 years as a teacher teacher and then some adult education as well. Right okay yeah. and how did you initially get into that field was it by chance yeah it was just like yeah. I remember I said I had a boyfriend I yes. wanted to just go to the closest university and they had like teacher education line there so that's how I kind of and it was very hard to get in and I just I, I think it comes very naturally from me to do the teaching I really do enjoy it so it was a good choice yeah, yeah. and currently you're in at an international school yes yeah yes. has your career always been within like the international sector or have you done public schools as well no well in Finland they are like 90 something percent are like public schools so it's always public side in Finland but I've worked there a lot as well so in Finland it's always been public schools and then it's been international schools abroad of course yeah. I'm interested in the fin Finnish concept because yeah. it's come up about two or three times with guests recently about the Finland education system and I, I don't know if I can verify these through them yeah. so I will ask you you might be a yeah. better source given you're from there um, is it true that Finland's right up there with some of the top education satisfaction in the world it is it is and it's still i there might it might come a little bit down yeah. i think everything is changing but yes it's still there and still there. why do you think that is are there any main differences from perhaps like uk us models or well we don't do the standardized testing we do the pisa test i think you're on eighth or ninth grade and then you do the pisa test but then they, they test everybody with the pisa test but that's kind of the only standardized testing we do of course we do have tests but they are like, it depends on you, what kind of a test you can hold. And it's it's all about the teacher. Nobody's kind of, I think it's about, even the teachers would say they went just on a strike last, uh, this spring, it was the first time in 38 years that teachers went on a strike in Finland, they want to have higher salaries. So, but if you would ask them, they are quiet, they can decide how, to de how they teach. Of course, you have the curriculum that you follow, but you can decide when you teach what and how how you teach you have like all that freedom and you won't be like nobody's gonna come and mark like how many points you will get from this lesson they don't want to see your lesson plans it's all on you but then all the teachers in primary and secondary high school education they have a master's degree so that kind of and you can have it only from certain education line from the university so you we don't have that wide variation of the a training for the teachers it's just the one line in each university and that's how you become like a primary or secondary right. teacher mm. so it's more kind of controlled but I think the teachers are quite happy and they you can decide how you teach and how you are and then you don't have to stay from eight to four at school you do your teaching hours the lessons 
and then you are free. Of course, you need to do the planning and marketing, everything, but you decide where you do it and when you do it. Right, okay, this is this really interests me coming from the UK where yeah. this just doesn't sound like realistic, I know, I know. but of course it works in this aspect. I'm just thinking, I guess from a, from a not a cynical point of view, yeah. but as someone who hasn't experienced yeah. it, how is this regulated to the point where there's not anarchy? You know, when how, how do we, how can you make sure that people are doing the jobs effectively? Well, I think you can see the scores from the students. Of course, if there would be a lot of, like, I don't see how my colleagues are teaching, but I could still say, I think you are doing very good job. You are kind of there. You should do, you could do this and this better, like, or you should think about a little bit more about your teaching, differentiation, whatever. But usually, because you do so much cooperation with different people, like the special needs teacher and everyone, so they kind of know how you do. We always have those maybe little bit older teachers, some young as well, but those who are waiting to get retired, they don't they don't care anymore and they will do the same thing year after year. Students are complaining, probably colleagues are complaining, but they were just going today mm. for retirement. So but it's kind of it hasn't have like the need for we kind of it's it works. It does work, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm curious, like, is it ever regulated by say inspectors? Like we have Ofsted in the UK. Do you ever no. have anyone observing to make sure it's okay? No, no. Oh. I think I think the principals should come once in a year, but they are so overworked that no, nobody hasn't ever come to my expect except in the IB school that I work there. I was checked two or three times per the one year that mm. I was there but in Finland no right and in terms of not standardized tests how I know this might be subjective yeah. to each student but how are they graded quote-unquote especially they are graded I don't it has changed since I was a school and now I don't remember which grade first you will get just like the verbal verbal assessment with there might be four or five different kind of levels and it's explained and then you will start getting grades I think they are between four and ten on the third grade up, maybe right, sure. something like that. Yeah, so it's not not like sit down exams for two hours. No, no, no. Of course, the teachers will do testing, but like I can decide what kind of a test it is. It can be like a paper paper test for, and then it would be the same for my class. But mm. not everybody on the other grades would might have to. They might not do the same test. But then it can be group work, and I will like evaluate everything. I I have to be able to show where the assessment came from. Like, so I need to have my notes and stuff like that. I need to be able, if the parents or the student would complain or complain about the grade, I should, I have to have some kind of proof why I gave you this grade. Mm, right, so right, I right. have to have something, but it doesn't have to be standardized, like something, the same thing for everyone. Mm. And in terms of, I guess, the education as a whole outside of the classroom, I was told this, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, that there are also like a huge variety of extracurricular activities. There are, and it depends, and then you can have them at school, or then you have have them outside of the school, like, because the school days are quite short. Mm, eight till four? No, I think the first grade is maybe four hours per day, wow. so from eight to twelve, nine to one, not even high school, it's not like eight to four every day, no, no, it's not like, and nothing that you, no, we don't have, you might have one day that would be from eight to four, but usually no, it's like... I think high school, maybe five, six maximum lessons per day. Sign me uh, up. <laughs> yes. 
Sign me up, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking of this from, as I mentioned, my perspective of being in public schools in the yeah. UK and then Vietnam. Like, have you, I'm sure you have, with your travels and your education career, come across the alternative approach when it's not as flexible and it's a bit more rigorous of nine to five, you must do this, you must follow this. Yeah. Have you experienced that? I have, and then I, I can see, I think it's like, it's been, we have been talking about a lot of in Finland that we, kind of try to get all the students in the same level so should we support more the high achievers for example should we like and a good teacher like very aged and differentiated and then there would be a different kind of level of task like you would do the same like teaching for everyone and then they could maybe choose or you choose that you do, do today this and this and that's how we kind of I try to make the variation also in my classroom and yes and I've been there when I've been like monitored throughout the year and mm. students are from from eight to four at school even they are four years old and they have to do lesson after lesson but then i think i can always bring like the play-based learning by doing things mm -hmm. there each lesson it doesn't matter what you are kind of teaching but i still i strongly believe that the younger you are the more play time you should have you develop most of the things that you have in Google just while just playing by just playing and that's kind of enough yeah and outdoor play and just that kind of free that develops your social skills and so many other things yeah it sounds like uh, I did a podcast recently on inquiry-based learning yeah. slash play-based learning yeah and one of the topics we kept coming back to was classroom culture and establishing that I guess rapport is almost like a democracy in a classroom yeah. rather than teacher says, student does. Why? Because I told you to or because it's on a test. Is that something that's key, like establishing a, an inclusive classroom culture? It is. It's very important. And then it's kind of, of course, I set the baselines there, but yeah. then I, I want, no matter how young you are, I want you to take more and more responsibility of your own learning. Of course, I'm the one who is guiding you through it. And if and then if there's problems, I'm the one who will support you and tell the parents this and this and this we will do next, so your your child will learn better. That and that's my responsibility as well. But I want them to, no matter how young, to take the responsibility that this is my my like thing, and I need to take it. I need to learn, and you need to learn to learn as well. And those are the kind of school readiness skills and school skills that we practice yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask you, like, yeah. even though you're the teacher, I'm sure you still learn as much from the students. I do every yeah. year, more, almost daily. I learn that, and still, even I've been teaching more than ten years, I still find all oh, this didn't work out. Even I thought that it would work out, and like, oh, you have this kind of problem, or this is hard for you to learn. Let's try another way. Like, mm. yeah. When you're walking into a classroom for the first time and you have all these students who don't know you yet and you know you're going to implement a play-based learning style, how do you do that from the off without students taking advantage? I think it depends. Well, well you, so I, I teach the younger years, so uh, it's okay. quite easy because <laughs> they are quite kind. And I still even, I like to give them a lot of freedoms and stuff like that. But I think the classroom management skills are the key kind of that they should see from the how I look at them, if they are doing the correct thing or not. And like I keep them on the task and of course you quite quickly learn who is kind of the one who doesn't want to do their job or pretends they are tired even they are if it's something that you don't like to do so then mm. I try to make that you do this and this and then it's a playtime for you or I want you to work on this and this more today so you will learn. Mm. What are mm. some of the key skills that you need to have in implementing this approach i.e. adaptability or flexibility or compassion 
what are some of the key traits you'd say? Well, you need to have like you you have to be like when you no matter how, what size the class is, you have to have the classroom management skills, like I said. And like I think also the longer you work, you see better what kind of needs your students have and then you can kind of adjust your teaching and the activities based on the students kind of capabilities, what they can do and what they are still like practicing. Of course, I think you have to be strict, but then on the other hand, the more you have to have a very good sense of humor. Here, it's like I still think that even I try to joke with my students, they, they maybe not all of them have used to the, the idea that I'm telling you jokes or talking like funny stuff because they are like looking at me I'm like always like what did you say are you serious and I was like no I'm not serious but it's something yeah maybe the culture is a bit different here as right, well of course yeah I'm, I'm trying to think like right now uh, I've never taught internationally just yeah. public school so I'm presuming that you teach people from all over the world yeah mostly yeah but at the moment mostly Vietnamese but I teach like all over the world yes. yeah is it I mean, you do the same for everybody, even though they come from Vietnam and come yeah. from, say, let's say, Finland. Like, you have to, you still teach the same, even yeah. if, right, Yeah, okay. I teach the same. I think that just kids, they are the same. I, I would say that Asian kids, and this is like, but I think they, they respect the teachers a little bit more. That's how I feel. Like, in Finland, I think it's not so, the smaller students, yes, still older ones, no, and I think that's, also maybe part of because the education is free in Finland you don't kind of respect things that you get for free in yeah, that because they yeah. I don't think that because there has been a lot of talk about the education export uh, in a few past weeks in, in media in Finland and how there shouldn't be how we shouldn't take the school fees when we do like Finnish education export but then they like the preschool year uh, in Helsinki it costs around 12 to 15,000 euros the whole year but it call, all comes from the tax money it's like it is as expensive but it, the money people don't somehow they still don't understand that money comes from somewhere I think the highest fee because in the kindergartens we have like monthly fees uh, in in I think if you use all the hours it's like 300 euros per month so it's like what three point three thousand six hundred per year and it's still the whole school year costs you like around fifteen thousand so the 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 money comes from somewhere not yeah. in air so for sure yeah and the current school you're at is the Finnish international yeah school. we have right. like bilingual side mm. where the more uh, like 50 percent of the teaching is in in Vietnamese and then we have international side where, where all the teaching except of course Vietnamese lessons and those but everything else is in English. Right, okay. And what I'm thinking just from country to country, because yeah. obviously we have the British, the Canadian, yeah. Australian, whatever. How many, how much of like the Finnish system? Is it all the Finnish system that's put into the classes? It is, especially on the international side, it kind of gives you the freedom. Then we have the IPDP program on the high school, or then we have the Vietnamese. You can choose like which line you want to take or you can apply, I don't know how it goes, but like it's, it gives you the same freedom. The curriculums are like, they have made for the school based on the Finnish one. Of course, it's there are some things from the Vietnamese system as well, but mostly it's from, the, from, from Finland. The school days are longer. They are from eight to four. It would never be eight to four in Finland. So yeah. they, of course, they're that kind of implementations. 
right, okay. otherwise. Yeah. And is it tricky for you to adapt to that, or are you pretty like? It was because when yeah. I when I came, I was like, if I would have known that the students are actually from eight to four here, I don't mind being at eight from eight to four. But the students, I don't think it's. I can see how tired they are in the end of the day. I can see how tired they are Thursday, Friday before the holidays. I think they would be happier if they would be playing somewhere at least three, four hours. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I often wonder that with the public school model and they'll often have VUS or ILA bags. And I yeah. know that once this day finishes at five, they're going for evening yes. class. And I think, come No, on. they are too tired. Maybe yeah. you learn something, but your brains are too tired to learn. That's why we kind of believe having small breaks after each lesson. Yeah. So you can have some fresh air, run around, and then you're ready to learn again. Yeah. How do you... I suppose, I'm not sure if it's you or if it's the system. How do you structure a lesson? Is it like 45 minutes, 15 minutes rest? Yeah, yeah right. it's, but here now I usually have quite often, I have like 90 minute lesson, but then I start, I'm first grade teacher at the moment. I usually started with like 10 minute play time so they can play, then we do the lesson. We might have a little break in the between and then like, it depends when they are ready. They might start reading or playing, or if they are tired, then I take them out for half an hour or 45 minutes to run and play. And then I know that now we might be able to do some learning if it's like afternoon lesson, but right. yeah. And this might be tricky because it depends from say subject to subject. Yeah. But how does a traditional lesson look as in the actual activities? So do you come up with an activity from your idea? Do you let the students choose? Do you let, say, certain students learn visually, some orally, some kinesthetically? Yeah. How does it work? Of course, it depends. It yeah. depends on, on a day and on a lesson, but I try to have something something very active during every lesson, either it's a like scavenger hunt or something, but something that we do running and searching, it doesn't have to be so much focused on, of course it's focused on the learning as well, like looking for certain words or sounds or what, whatever the topic is. We do a little bit like pen and paperwork each lesson, but then I want to have, we do usually singing and different kind of hands-on activities, so I try to have like three even it would be 45 minutes at least two three different kind of activities throughout the lesson and sometimes you can also choose that okay now i have three options which one would you like to do the best right and do you do a class group or do you let's say some choose a some b some c yeah yeah you can yeah everyone can choose like right, their own if okay. it's like yeah right i see and what i'm wondering here is like the relationship you have with the parents like are you always keeping the parents updated with what they're learning or is it parents evening once a month what's it we have like the parent teacher meetings twice a year i try to remember to send to link to weekly letter every week so there are the basic like math science like few, with few sentences this week we have been learning this and this and this if i have I have sometimes if I have some students who are struggling with something and they do well I usually try to remember to email the parents today or the next day and say oh your daughter's son did so well during this lesson and I'm so happy about the progress and if there's something else then I usually ask them to come to for a meeting if I and I try to have very very warm nice like how do you say what is it? What is the word? Now you need to cut it. What is the word? When relationship, very warm, warm, open relationship with the parents. It always helps out if there's like learning difficulties or some other difficulties. It helps when you have like good relations with the parents. For sure. And I'm wondering here about the preparation aspect. Yeah. How much time do you think you spend preparing your activities or your lesson plans, say per week? Well, the lesson plans, 
I just have like few words on my teeny tiny calendar that's usually enough if I do a Kahoot or a different kind of a game it might take me for half an hour 45 minutes and then we are done in five minutes and I feel that especially when we have the online learning I I spend so much time doing like the online worksheet something that they could do like based on the lesson we are learning and it took so much time I think it's easier to teach in the classroom especially with this with the smaller students sometimes I know if we have an English lesson and I have like few worksheets then I have all different kind of games and stuff already ready so then it might take me only five minutes to check this and this is the worksheet for the lesson and these are the activities we do it it variates a lot right I see and I think the more you do the easier it kind of gets and faster as well mm. and do you ever do any I suppose peer reviewing or do you bounce ideas off each other or how yes, do you with the if we are like last year, uh, my uh, co-worker was teaching the bilingual science for the first graders and I had the international, so we did the same. So we always planned together every week we sat down, we spent like an hour or two for planning all the three lessons we have per week and you are going to prepare this and you this and then it was done. And it, I think it makes everything so much easier if you do it with somebody else. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what? I guess, what are the key lessons you've learned from your teaching career? I know that's quite broad, but are there any, is there anything that you found out early on that you still apply today? Or did you get any wake up calls or any light bulb moments? Are there any that come to mind when I ask this? Well, at least I've learned, like, I think when I was very, very, very much younger, I felt that it's students' fault if they don't understand something. And now I know straight away, I can see first two minutes, oh, this was too difficult or how didn't I realize that this is never gonna work and I usually I might even stop the whole thing and say let's do something else or I say I'm sorry this is too difficult I made it like I've, I've kind of I still learn from my mistakes and I know now that it's I always try to ask myself how could I have instructed it better and like for we have few teacher teacher trainees from Finland from the university a few months back and I couldn't tell them enough that you have to think about that you have a student who probably don't speak the same language, doesn't understand all the words. How can you make, make simple enough instructions? Like with few, like very few words, maybe pictures if you have like that English is not your first language and even it would be, you still like how can you make simple enough instructions and make sure everyone understands. Yeah, And sure. no matter which language you're teaching, like it it implies always yeah, that's personal responsibility yeah it can be so easy to say oh well they just don't get it yeah they just don't get it no, no it's probably your fault if they don't get it exactly and yeah. it can hurt you know when yeah. you spent time and thought this is brilliant and, and then, then they it flopped just I, I mean i know it's not on the same level as i'm at public school with like a yeah. curriculum but i've still had the point where i think yeah. oh, that just didn't go the way no, it didn't it didn't yeah. go the way but now i can just laugh at myself and i had i can say that it was the shittiest lesson i have had for yeah. like months so you should have seen it like how i struggle <laughs> but then sometimes i also feel like today i was teaching crafts and i explained to my students these are like scissors for fabric don't cut anything else and I said probably three times don't cut anything else except the fabric and when I turn my back again like I did something somebody was cutting like chalkers I was like no that's not fabric like <laughs> oh maybe I should have had something or just give the scissors maybe later these are the things yeah. like yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you ever had a really bad lesson that you've really had to learn from 
probably yes. Maybe usually now, at least nowadays, I can say it. I can say, let's stop this. Let's have a story time, and then we can like I can push it away <laughs> and say that it, it didn't work at all. But I can kind of save it in the middle of the lesson already now. Yeah, but some, I think I don't remember any specific lesson, but those that I have like too many instructions, they are too long or the students have been for some reason. They are, yeah, I had like planned, I think it was a jack and a beanstalk and I had such a nice worksheet. We watched two different kind of stories. We talk about how they are different and my students were just like, they were like eyes closed, almost sleeping and I had such a fun things and I was like, okay, we cannot do any of these. Let's, let's try to go through the first worksheet and then we let's get back to this next week. And I was so kind of disappointed because I had planned and used time and I had different kind of pictures and sequencing cards and, and they just, but they were tired. But then I said, let's not do more. Like, it yeah, wouldn't yeah. like. You need to read the room. Yeah. Work out what they yeah. want. Yeah. How would you describe teacher Twerby? Like, what's your teaching style? Oh, this has been, I've been going so many interviews this, uh, this spring and they always ask, what is the atmosphere in your classroom? If I walk in there like 9.30 yeah. <laughs> 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 i basically asked you that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but it's a great question <laughs> and not everyone is like asking the same. I, I hope that uh, all the students would feel that they are seen and heard in my classroom. I try to do like, this is what I've been doing in the international schools always. We say good morning in the morning with all the languages we have there and then view extras. Like now we say it like around 10 languages already. Like, and I have, I have a super small group with seven students, but now we have been, and it's kind of, I think it students feel that they are seen and you can use your own language, your mother tongue and like all that kind of things. I hope that they would feel that my teacher actually, and no matter how you behave, that I would still care about you as much as the others. Excellent. Yeah. No, I love that. And I love the fact, I love this idea of speaking good yeah. morning in 10 different languages. That just gets you so like, clued up on other cultures from a very yeah, young age. Yeah, and it's just a, just a teeny tiny thing. Sometimes we might talk about when somebody says that I don't like this food, then I say, hey, it might be my favorite food. And then we talk about the foods that we have been eating. One, one uh, student once said, oh, my dad said you have been growing up with bread and like in Finland. And I said, actually, I'm gluten free. I don't do bread that much. But then I showed them picture what kind of foods I've been mm. eating. And then we compared and think about how would they taste. And now when I visited Finland, I brought some salty liquors and different kind of candies for my students. So they had like a taste test day and like that kind of yeah that kind of thing yeah. forgive me if this is a naive question yeah. i'm just putting myself in like the mindset of say a young yeah. vietnamese i would presume their parents would talk to them about london uk and america and france yes finland i'm not so sure no right no, is, is it's, that still, true? it's quite small country i think Jap we have a lot of japanese tourists for example but it's still kind of further away it's harder to get even it's london is further but i know it's kind of and we are very teeny tiny country yeah indeed so, yeah that's why yeah. i was just wondering like yeah. what the vietnamese concept of finland is I was just genuinely curious, yeah, yeah. So, hence why I posed it. But that's why I so, show so much pictures of like my parents' house when it's winter and summer, so they kind mm. of get the whole idea. Yeah. And now they all can say good morning in Finnish. So that was kind of, that's where I'm aiming that's for every for. year. Yeah. How have you changed from, right, firstly, we're always students, yeah. but when you were a student, as in actually a student studying yeah. in school, versus now as a teacher, how have you personally changed to Wabi? How, how I wrote <laughs> and I think like I'm so much more 
like and even since I was 20 I'm so much more open-minded I think and like how I see different people and different cultures even I wouldn't know them but how I see them differently and like I also when I was at the school um, I wanted there was this TV show I think it was a British TV show there was like different hosts and they were traveling around the world and tasting different foods I don't, it's, it's a very old TV show and I, I wanted I th thought that oh I want to like be the host for the TV show I want to travel the world and eat all the different kind of foods and I thought that I cannot be because I'm, an, I'm not a native English speaker but that, that was how young me was thinking mm. that I cannot because I speak Finnish this is this is not happening to me and now I realize that it has like I but I just do it for my friends and my family and I do take pictures to Instagram it's basically the same it's not the same same but I'm there and it's like and I kind of have realized that I can do anything and absolutely it's, it's amazing no I love yeah. that mindset and what drives you in your work what motivates you to keep teaching year after year day after day I love when the students when I can see them learning and getting kind of the oh I actually made this and I actually succeeded in this and like if you have been struggling something and then I can say say that oh today you did so well did you hear your brain switch on or like switch on the right position and now you know how to do something and younger they are the easier you can see the learning and yeah that's what kind of I enjoy. Mm. And are there any the reason I ask you this question is I asked um, a principal of an international school here yeah. and he gave me a great few answers. Um, any misconceptions about teaching and teaching in international schools that any misconceptions about teaching that perhaps bug you or no, sometimes I feel that like, because we have such a different teaching styles and how you like, how for example, how would Vietnamese teacher handle a special needs student versus how I would handle it and how I kind of, and how, of course, I think I'm doing like, or we have just different ways of approaching things. How can we find them? middle middle way kind of there the middle path and how and how I can like help you or how we can do plans together so I that I don't offend you because I don't want to I want to do it in very kind of in a, in a very nice warm atmosphere and together so I think those are like and it's no matter where you are if you have very different approaches and it's nobody's fault we come total different uh, educational backgrounds different cultures like and you always have to think about a lot of those things so that's something at least hmm. and I always think if we had this conversation in say two or three years time do you think you'd still be teaching and if so like where would you see your teaching career develop I might be teaching or then I could see myself I would if I were teaching I want to be teaching in an international school even it would be in Finland but I want to be teaching in an international school I kind of I in, I'm sorry all the things but I, I enjoy more about the international atmosphere international co-workers I think you get more out of it like and then the students they are so amazing and I guess still in Finland it's they mostly they look the same it doesn't you don't have to look the same but they mostly look the same have the similar ideas in an international classroom it's it's all different they are all different coming from different religions different cultural backgrounds and then like kind of it's mixing in Finland as well and of course every family has its own culture so it's not the same but it's it's more versatile mm, and you're currently here in Vietnam yeah. are you leaving Vietnam 
Yes, I'm nice. now. Yeah. Okay. I had only two years contract, and I think I could have stayed longer, but I think because with with the COVID and everything, now I really want to return back to Europe at of least course. for a little while. Yeah, Even sure. the borders are open now, but I feel that yeah. you still feel the, the yeah. inclination to. Yeah. yeah. How would you sum up your Vietnam journey? It's been amazing. I remember I visited here once before I came. It was 2019 in the fall before COVID. And I, I thought that, oh my God, it's the hot to me is too busy. I don't like it at all. And then I still somehow ended up applying. And now when I came after the summer holiday and I got out of the quarantine and I was like, oh my God, it looks like home. Very rustic, very green. It looked so nice when I, yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed it Absolutely. a lot. Yeah. Uh, I do enjoy a quote and it does often relate to teaching. Now, this is putting you on the spot, so you don't have to have one, but is there a quote related to teaching that really appeals to you? No, I, I remember something from Nelson Mandela, but I don't remember how the quote went. I think I bought the postcards from South Africa and they had some kind of... I think I know the one. Yeah. If I'm wrong, correct me. Education is the most powerful tool you can use yeah, to change, was, yes. yeah, to change yeah. someone's life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Once I saw that, I, I saw that at 16. I should have seen it earlier. Yeah. And that really made me take my education for yeah. granted because I think from the ages of, say, 11 to 15, probably in that stage when you're trying to be cool, I thought yeah. it doesn't really matter. I was being a dosser. It matters. Yeah, it <laughs> Knuckle matters. down and get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It matters. Yeah. Before we get to the end of the conversation, Tuavi, has there been a question that I've not asked you that you would have liked me to or you expected? No, but I still want to add some things because now we're talking about the importance of the education. Sometimes when I explain some things to my students, I feel that am I actually explaining I'm coming from Finland, from Finnish background, you are coming from Asia, from Vietnam. Your parents might explain this thing totally different way to you. Thank God we don't go like in very rough subjects yet on the first grade. But then I have usually my Vietnamese TA in my classroom and I can ask her to support me. That is this how you explain things or like if they have difficult questions like where the babies come from and they don't come from your armpit even. That's what they say here that they were like, my mom said that they are coming from my armpit. I was like, no, they don't come. Like, <laughs> but kind of this kind of cultural things that you kind of don't even know and then sometimes I second guess myself that should I teach this way that what do I know I'm from Finland but it's those are maybe just teeny tiny moments and right yeah yeah but I guess to come into the towards the end of the chat yeah. any final thoughts you'd like to leave any empowering messages any <laughs> I, I don't know what's putting it on you think well what do I give here do I give a Churchillian speech or <laughs> no I think this was great to talk about the education overall and the Finnish system but like and I think certain things could be implemented anywhere like just to think about like go I think we should think about the well-being of students I think that should be the first thing that we think about and when they are very well-being then it's easier to learn and they are kind of more so shorter school days also for the teachers yes that's what I, <laughs> where I'm going <laughs> completely forward. agree with yeah. you thank you very much to it's great you. to dive into like the other side of teaching like I'm on the public school side but yeah. hearing from international is always great it's great to hear the mindset and also what you do thank you very much and thank all the you. best with your future projects thank you so much